Well, round eight was another crazy weekend of rugby league. We had golden point, send-offs, upsets. It's just what rugby league is made for. AJ and Reese will recap round eight of the NRL season. And the way the Roosters are playing, AJ might end up in a home for the criminally insane. This is a league scenes look at round eight of the NRL season. to the league scenes look at round eight of the NRL season. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, contributor of the League Unlimited website and the Front Row program. Joining me as always is nothing but league contributor Reese Sullivan. And Reese, nice to have you back, my friend. Nice to be back, mate. It's always fun coming on here after a week of footy. It and is very, we have very enjoyable. Good games this week, some not so good games, and another Broncos win. So I'm very happy. Ah, I wish I could be in that same boat too. <laughs> but we'll get. We'll get, we'll get to that one later. At least it's not like round one when you're playing the stupid song. <laughs> I'm fully expecting you after every win this year to just do the, the Broncos song. I'm very tempted to do it today. I'm having the whole that, but <laughs> I was very tempted to do it, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it after every win, but, you know. The big, big wins. Win, I was very tempted to do it, and I think this was a big win for us. 100%. We'll get on to that one in just a moment. But on the program today, we're going to recap round over the NRL season. Of course, recap Graham Annesley's media briefing. An interesting look at Super League and the drama surrounding Toulouse Olympics. Should they be relegated or should they stay to help grow the game internationally? Also, we're going to have a recap of the Junior Rep Grand Finals as Penrith claim their third SG Ball final in eight seasons. A lot to get to tonight, Reese. So let's kick it off. Broncos 16 defeating Cronulla 7. Um... A lot of talk coming into this game was the matchup between Katonia Staggs and CSC Vitalikai, and I think Staggs wins on the judges' scorecards. Yeah, he definitely does. Talakai wasn't bad. There's been a lot of narrative that Talakai had, had a bad game, partially thanks to one of my tweets. Um, <laughs> but Talakai wasn't bad at all. It was just that Katonia Staggs was forcing the issue, forcing the Sharks to keep the ball onto the other side of the footy, which limits Talakai's involvement. And then obviously that Staggs try. Talakai got caught out by a dummy, which allowed Staggs to go one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, there's not much more he could have done in that game, Talakai, but Katoni Staggs was just on another level. That is easily the best game I've seen Katoni Staggs play. Post-injury? Since, since his knee injury, easily. You could possibly even go since 2019. Maybe. I'd argue that game against the Dragons when he scored that individual try. You could say that, but in terms of consistency over the full 80 minutes. Oh, yeah, 100%. Best I've seen since 2019. So, you know, a lot of debate over who should take that New South Wales centre spot with Luttrell at injured. Very much on the table. You have to give Katoni at least a look, if not the first shot at least a look at being in the squad for game one. I'm still of the opinion that Stephen Crichton's probably adding out the, the first choice. Yeah, I would say Crichton would be one center, but then the other option would be whether you want to put Stags in there, Gutherson, Jack Whiten. 
Yeah, I'd say that'd be the conversation. Hundred percent. Um, but on a Cronulla real quick, and this is actually an interesting statistic that I've found today. The Sharks have only won one game outside of Sydney this year, and that was the derby at Wollongong. So now the issue becomes you can play well at home, but now you've got to translate that form on the road. And you've got to say they were competitive round one without Fitzy against Canberra. They were competitive against Melbourne. But to, on um, Thursday night, they just seemed flat, didn't they? Yeah, it was definitely the worst game Cronulla played all season. Like, without a doubt. Um that was probably the first game all season when Nico Hines has looked like a guy who's new to playing halfback in the NRL. Oh, didn't he? What? He probably had his, uh, respectfully, his worst game of the season. Yeah, 100%. And it showed how good Moylan played that they were able to stay in the game. And he got, Moylan scored the try, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Because good. of a bit of um, poor work by the Broncos defense, which I've seen all too often. <laughs> Um, Wade Graham came back, obviously exciting to see. But to me, the Sharks don't have the same mongrel and intensity as opposed to when Darfur Nukem plays. Now, is that potentially an issue moving forward? Because you've got to think, Wade Graham's not going to be around forever. Luckily, if he's lucky, this will probably be his last season of full first grade. And that's just being honest. Um, But there just seems to be no secondary leader there, similar to how... We had the debate a few weeks ago where they needed someone to match Payne Haas, the Broncos. There doesn't seem to be that secondary leader in the Sharks' pack for me. Well, I mean, yeah, it comes back to the fact, you know, Finucane's this New South Wales origin forward for a reason. Yeah, and there's no doubt that guys like Toby Rudolph, Royce Hunt and Cameron McInnes are trying. But they just can't match the production. Exactly, that's my point. And, I mean, it is hard to just take a New South Wales level forward out of the side and expect them to replace him, especially especially when he was that close to game day. And the captain as well of the club as well. Well, I mean, Graham's technically the captain. So. True. Fair point. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah as, as to Graham, you know, there's definitely no harm in saying, you know, this should, should or could be his last season, you know. This is his 15th season in first grade. So, mm-hmm. yes. Had an excellent career, and obviously, you know, Premiership of 2016, New South Wales jerseys. I'm pretty sure he played for Australia at one point. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure 2017 World Cup, he was in and around that squad. Yeah. So Let me just confirm quickly. Yeah, he's had a wonderful career, and it's a shame back end of it has been sort of punctuated by injuries and, you know, being on underperforming teams, but... Yeah, he won a World Cup final. Yeah, he's definitely going to go down as a Sharks legend. That's for sure, Wade Graham, so... No harm in saying, you know, maybe he should call it quits this season. 100%, of course. Brisbane next week go to battle with South Sydney on Thursday night while Cronulla... I'm just saying that's a game I'm so scared for. Even though we beat the Bunnies in round one and they still don't have Luttrell. The revenge factor. Yeah, it's just... I'm always scared when we play ex-Bennett coach teams. So South, the Dragons and the Knights. (laughs) <laughs> Fair point. That always scares me. No matter how bad those teams are, I always think we're going to lose those games. Scared about the Dolphins next year? I will be. That's for sure. <laughs> no matter, no matter who they try out at halfback, if they try out, they could try out the rotting corpse of Tommy Rodonikus at halfback, and I'd still be scared. Well, if um, 
SG Ball Grand Finals to good anything to go by. Isaiah Katoa looks quite the talent. We'll get on to that in the back end. Yeah, he'll, that'll be a nice battle between Katoa and O'Sullivan next season for the halfback jersey, I reckon. If, if the O'Sullivan stuff's confirmed, we're not entirely sure yet. Um, yep, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. O'Sullivan, let me just touch some wood. <laughs> Sharks, Sharks. Allegedly. No, sorry. Allegedly O'Sullivan. There we go. <laughs> Sharks. For legal purposes. Sharks take on the Warriors on Sunday. Oh, Friday night Christian. Question before we go away from this game, though, AJ, I want to put this to you. Yep. Does this game show more about how far the Broncos have come from the end of last season? Mm-hmm. Or how far the Sharks still have to go if they want to compete with the big boys? I saw enough out of the game against um, Melbourne that they can definitely compete with the big boys. Um, I think it shows how far Brisbane have come. You look at it, they pushed the Roosters all the way only, I think, what was it, three weeks ago? Yep, three weeks ago. Like, they pushed them all the way in that game. And obviously, stuff's happened since then, which um, I don't want to talk about. But um, I think the Broncos have come such a long way. They pushed Penrith for 55 minutes before they unfortunately faded away. Um, But I think the Broncos have shown why we had them on that top eight discussion at the beginning of the season. So, full credit to them. Yeah, they're definitely a team. Looking at now how they've gone the first eight weeks of the season... I'm definitely confident they'll be able to make the top eight come the end of the year, which is something I'm quietly scared about because obviously the last time we played the finals game, it did not end well at all. Um, <laughs> but it's also something I'd be looking forward to. 100%. Now we can move on. Panthers 18 defeat the Gold Coast Titans for the Panthers. Once again, continue on their winning streak to start the season. But after the way we ripped into the Titans last week, it was a much better effort defensively. Yeah, it was. They well, they shot out the Panthers for forty minutes of football. How many teams have done that this season? None. Exactly. Uh, it's unfortunate well, though that that's been overshadowed by their very, very timid second half. Well, I was saying I'm going to hold you there. The Dragons did in the second half of um, round two. Okay, well, that's a little. But, but if we're talking that's first half, to be alongside a team that's just won three games in a row, you know, pretty it's good a company. Um. But I think the Titans' second half, they, they are very much a two-half team. Like we saw it, we've seen it throughout the whole season. We made it known several times, and Justin Holbrook's well aware of this, that they're a two-half team. They, they put all their energy, all their eggs in one basket for one half and then slowly ease their way into the second half and concede two or three quick tries. Well, is that on the coach? Or is it more on the fact that when you have players like... David Fafita, AJ Brimson, Toby Sexton, who are notoriously inconsistent. You know, do you have to give Holbrook some leeway for that? I think you do and don't. I think it, it's, it's a two-way street for mine. I think because of the way that Justin Holbrook's probably come over from Super League. You know, Super League, no disrespect to our English listeners, there's a fair disparagement in terms of talent. But now when we come over here, and you could probably get away with those two half-style games. But now you come here to the NRL, you, you can't get away with that. And I, think... I, feel like, I feel like the Super League is more hard workers. So players who are going to put in all 80 minutes and play just tough, hard footy. Whereas in the NRL, you've got a lot more of the showstoppers, the million-dollar players who make the big plays but don't put that same level of effort in. That's a fair point. Um, but again, if you're a coach that's starting Kevin Proctor... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Here we go. This is, where this, this is where the fun begins because I want to 
do a little game with our listeners, okay? <laughs> Let's play the game. Okay, so I want you, as a listener, to say out loud right now how many meters you think Kevin Proctor had in this game. And I'll give you a second, okay? How many minutes did he play, AJ? Let me get it up quickly because I've got all the games in yeah. all the different tabs. And he did start the game, but obviously when David Fafida went off in the back end, he probably played a bit few more minutes. So Kevin Proctor had the pleasure of playing 45 minutes. Okay. 45 minutes as an edge back rower. A guy who came from the Craig Bellamy system, who at one point was a key part of the New Zealand testing. Mm-hmm. So say out loud right now, don't put it in your head, because if you put it in your head, you're going to say, oh, I changed, I changed my answer. Okay? Say out loud how many meters Kevin Proctor had. And now, AJ? One you run. say out loud how many meters Kevin Proctor had. One run for four meters. Now, I am 1.8 meters tall. That means if you lie me on the ground three times, I've gone further than Kevin Proctor did in an entire NRL game. <laughs> Here's something for you. Do you, want, do you want to get even more embarrassing? Tanner Boyd played 22 meters and he ran one meter further at a dummy. <laughs> okay, but the difference is that's a hooker. I know, hookers, I know, I know, I know. Hookers don't run. Back rowers do. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, you know, and the only reason I say that is I don't want you to go back and pull off some of the stuff Andrew McCulloch did when he was at Brisbane because that was nasty. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think, too, um, I want to touch on the Titans. The combinations are lacking, but I think the spine changes worked. Having Will Smith to guide some of the younger playmakers around really helped. AJ looks a whole lot comfortable at fullback for mine. Mm, that's a very cool, yeah. Um, that's just, it's a natural position. We saw it in 2020 in Origin. Yeah, and He's also, yeah, I also want to go on to Penrith. They were complacent, but they got the job done. Um, Dylan Edwards probably had his worst game of the season, and I know the Panthers, um, the Dylan Edwards uh, fan club led by the legend, that's Nat Sinclair, will, has agreed with that point this morning. So we have cleared that up. Cheers, Nat. Um, yeah, absolute legend yeah. of Twitter, by the way, Nat. Absolute <laughs> legend. Um, look, the Panthers can probably afford to have games like this against lower-tier lower opposition because they just have the natural talent to be able to get them out of situations. Obviously, if they had a game like this, you know, next week, not this round, next week they're playing Melbourne at Magic Round. Oh, that's going to um, be a fucking blockbuster. It's going to be a fucking blockbuster for sure. But if they were to have that first half, the way they did against Melbourne, even the second half mm-hmm. against Melbourne, they'd end up on a eliminated from finals contention tweet. Scott Bailey? It's in his drafts. Uh, but, in, he has every team in his drafts, I'm telling you. I think too. But um, one point of discussion we had before we came on air today was about Jerome Luai. And at the moment, I'm not seeing enough from Jerome. Like... I know, I'm not understanding that Cleary is the first receiver, the dominant playmaker, but I still want Luai to try and take some ownership of his attacking plays. Like, when he gets the ball, he's skipping a lot sideways, reminding me of how the Roosters play an attack. That's how bad it is. Um, but I just need Jerome to take the ball to the line a bit more and play out the back and be a little bit more direct. And I think that that will be a good thing for Penrith moving forward. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was sort of telling when... 
Sean O'Sullivan was taking control of the attack with uh, Nathan Cleary out. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the way Jerome Luai is playing at the moment, it works really well against teams like the Titans, teams like the Broncos, teams that just can't really keep up with them. Mm-hmm. But good defensive teams like the Melbourne Storm, the Cronulla Sharks, even the Sydney Roosters are going to trap Nathan Cleary and force Luai to make decisions for himself, which so far this year, like you said, he hasn't proved he can do. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. But here's a selection dilemma for Penrith. Brian Toto is potentially due back this week. He's set to be named along with Moses Leota in the extended squad. So the question is, who do you cut? Charlie Staines or Taylor May? Uh, it's, it's a tough one because you can argue that Charlie Staines definitely hasn't been anywhere near his potential. Obviously, the four tries on debut, everyone remembers that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can argue he hasn't gotten anywhere near that point. But at the same time, you could also argue that's just the, pros- uh, the prospect of the Panthers' offense. They like to shove it down the one side with Kikau, Tor, and Crichton. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you got it right. Of, they just sort of forget about the other side. Yeah. Um, so if Taylor May is picked over Staines, is he going to be in the same boat that Staines has been the last season and a half? I'd probably keep Tago and May on the same side just to keep that combination. Yeah, I would I would too. And then... I personally you know, keep uh, May because his form to start the season is just exceptional. I, I, if I'm the Panthers, though, I'm working out more plays to get the ball to that side of the field because... Like I said, with the Lua, good defensive teams are going to take away Crichton and Tor. They're going to be rushing up in defense. And yeah, there's going to be mistakes made, but there's also going to be mm-hmm. the risk of intercepts. There's going to be the risk that players get blown up before they can really get started. Yeah, 100%. percent get both sides of the field, field involved. Yep, because Titans play the Roosters up in Mackay on Saturday night and Penrith will take on Parramatta in a blockbuster sold-out game at Bluebet on Friday night. Friday night's main event, South Sydney, 40 points, defeating Manly, 22. And this game was marred by a send-off by Manly's Carl Lawton on a dangerous tackle. And the Channel 9 commentary team, with some of the worst takes on this tackle I have ever heard. It just reeks of back-in-my-dayism, doesn't it? Oh, mate. I I mean... 100% 100% footy tonight is going to be unwatchable. Gus and Gal agreeing with each other. You know it's a really bad take when they're doing that. Oh, mate. I mean, as someone who recently got blocked by Gus over an obstruction calling that was correct. <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. Yeah, it only took um, two years of being on Twitter and eight rounds of a new season. <laughs> um, but, again, back on the game. Manly's resilience with 12 men really strikes me. And I was talking to a few people on Twitter about this today. Um, the psychological battle of going down to 12 for an extended period, a prolonged period, up against the short term. Why is there such a difference? Um, that's actually a really good question. It's... Like, because you see teams that have a play centre to see me and just collapse and concede those tries in quick succession. But you saw with Newcastle in Bathurst and you saw with Manly on Friday night, the the psychological battle, it really helped the team that was down to 12 while the team that had 13 struggled. Well, I mean, you could argue that that's just those two clubs in their history, you know, 
obviously Newcastle and Manly, they've always been looked at as clubs that are going to battle through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Manly, you could also argue that that's the impact of Des Hasler at work. Yeah. You know, Des has been doing this for years. That's a typical Des Hasler sort of game where you get a player sent off, you just go, okay, next man up. Yeah. And I think the tackle was bad. We're, we're going to be the first. Bad. Like the fact he lifts up, his legs come off the ground and he follows through. Yeah. That's what makes the tackle disastrous. And we're lucky that Cam Murray isn't more hurt. That's a tackle that could have ended the player's season, if not career. So, yeah, I agree. Have to, um, be, have to be thankful for that, that he's that he was able to bounce back up. But saying that, I still think Manly got the tactics wrong defensively when they went down to 12 bed because we all know that South Sydney's left edge is on its day one of the best in the competition, right? Yeah. So what is the harm of shifting, say, a Jake Trebojevic, or sorry, not a Jake Trebojevic, one of the front rowers out to that back row and play with just one front row in the middle? Because, yeah, I agree. I because agree. Stats don't go down the middle. Because Souths don't go down the middle, and we all know that when you're down to 12 men, it's easier to attack the edges when an edge player goes down to 12 rather than go down the middle when, say, a front rower or a hooker gets marched. Yep, 100%. So I'm of the opinion that they should have done that. I mean, And that's knows? another thing we saw... In the Newcastle game, when Barnett got sent off, Newcastle adjusted to protect the edges. Mm-hmm. And for about 40 minutes from the send-off till about the hour mark, it was working really well. And then yeah. it, they sort of fell away towards the end and the Panthers scored some quick tries. Yeah, those last two tries, they, the bang-bang towards the end of the game. But South Sydney's attack just seemed to be clicking a little bit more. Cody Walker in game 150 looks solid. Um it's as good as he's looked all season, but the challenge for me now is remaining consistent for Cody. And we've seen that he can click in one game and then be disinterested or not bothered in another. And South Sydney fans will agree with that. But what yeah. do you think he needs to do to keep the improvement in the consistency up? I feel like, and this is something I've said for a while, but I feel like he needs to trust Blake Taffmore. Yeah. You know, he needs to have, and, and Lachlan Ilias too. You know, he... He needs to be relying on those younger players to do more of the workload and let him go back to his natural game, which is engaging defences and trying to poke holes and force mistakes. Yeah, and I think he'll get an opportunity with Blake Taff at the fullback role because Latrell Mitchell's flying out to the US, or he's already flown out to the US, rather, for that hamstring. And, of course, he that officially rules him out of Origin 1. So Taff will at least yeah. have the gig until the end of till the beginning of June. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe if Taft's able to get his game in, you know, you never know. It might end up being that part of Latrell's rehabilitation coming back from the hamstring injury is that they play him at centre just so he gets less workload. Hundred percent. All right, on the Saturday's first game, and it is the season's fifth tank ball. <sighs> Harsh saying the Warriors are in the tank ball, but I 100% understand it. This was one of the worst games I have ever seen. Yes, it went to golden point, but when the winning side, the winning side, completes, uh, let me get the stat up, completes at 59%. (laughs) This game is a tank ball. 
Well, look, all I'll say is the fans of Redcliffe better get used to some shit footy being played in that stadium. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was an atrocious game of rugby league. It was definitely not the level of rugby league you'd show to an American and hope that they get interested in the game. 100% well, it wouldn't. To be fair, it had a good ending, I guess. It did have count, a very good ending. If you count um, cheap penalty goals as good. But hey, again, it's a Canberra choke job. Oh, I thought we were sick of these. What did, I, what did I say at the start of the year about Ricky Stewart and all the clubs he's been at? They fade away. They've fallen off a cliff in one season. This is the season that Canberra have fallen off a cliff. I think we need to talk about Sticky being done as a coach. It seems to be... I don't know. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I mentioned it um, on Twitter with Robbo. But it seems to be a fitness problem as much as a psychological problem for mine. Because you look at the end of the game, Canberra consumes so much energy in the opening 40, building up a lead to where they think they're comfortable. By the time the second 40 is underway, they are flat. I mean, you take a look at their, you know, their key player in Pavali. He's not exactly a beacon of fitness, is he? No. And I'm not trying to fat shame the bloke, but at the end of the day, you know, since he came into first grade, he's only gotten bigger and bigger. And in an era of the game where you fit and fast players are at a premium, that's an issue for Canberra. You look at the hybrid forward, I think Payne Haas has that turn of speed. I saw him chase down Will Kennedy on Thursday night. Exactly. You know, you take a look at the best forwards in the league. Obviously, you mentioned Payne Haas. Lindsay Collins as well. He's a prop with a bit of speed behind him. Thanks for mentioning the only Roosters player that gave a shit on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I knew that one would cheer you up a little bit. <laughs> um, and Yeah, and then you got Papa Lee, who's just, you know, how do, how do I say it without saying this respectful? That ankle tap he had against Jamal Fogarty only happened because Fogarty's the slowest half in the league. There's, there's how I say it. Okay. Um, but to me, Canberra struggled. And when you're starting Adam Elliott at hooker, what more do we need to say, mate? Yeah, they're in some deep shit. Just with all the injuries they've had. And now with Whiten taking two, two weeks on the sideline through suspension. Did you see um, Sticky's press conference? He seemed very pissed off. Do you blame him? I don't blame him whatsoever. And I want to touch on the Matt Lodge high shot with Corey Horsburgh. Now, we can milk him as much as you want for diving and acting like an idiot. But when you give a player that has a reputation like that an opportunity to lay down and the bunker to have a look at it and review... I think that's more on the player committing the tackle rather than the player that is tackled. Well, why are you taking risks like that defensively with the game on the line? Bingo. And I get the, the, the Warriors had, what was it, a full set on their line anyway? Mm. Yeah. Um, Just speaking, go below the ball. Exactly. Like, and we've spent so much time over the last two years talking about adjusting tackle zones. Corey Horsburgh gets it wrong, horribly wrong, when the game's on the line. At the end of the day, regardless of what you think about players lying down, if you don't want to get penalised because a player dived, don't commit a tackle that can get you penalised. Problem Bingo. solved. Um, one interesting factor for me, the way Dejan Assi fitted into the Warriors' side, 
He was a beacon of light on a disappointing performance overall. Um, he looks to be a good get for my yeah, for the I mean, Warriors halves, especially with Chanel Harris Tavita toughing it out the way he did. We missed that one on last week's show. Well, it didn't come out until after the fact. Um, yeah, we did. And I miss don't it. really want to repeat it here because then we'll lose half our male audience because they'll just fold over and cringe. Um, yeah, and we have a very respectful uh, female audience as well, so we don't want to screw that up. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, obviously, first of all, full credit to Chanel Harris for toughing it out that injury in stride, shall we say? Um, but, but um, yeah, Dijon Assi looked really, really good for a guy who doesn't have that much first grade under his belt. Be a handful of games, I think. Yeah, he seemed very like. He seemed like a veteran sliding into a brand new side, only brought in late. Yeah. Yeah, he felt, um, it felt like a veteran performance from the kids. Canberra's first set in Golden Point really puzzled me because you want to know why, what they do on their first set? Oh, boy, here we go. They threw a forward pass. Again, why are you taking risks like that in Golden Point? I blame that more on Corey Horsburgh overrunning the ball. Again, shock horror, Corey Horsburgh's involved. And... He has to be in contention for the most unclutch player in the NRL. Um, he's already won, what was it, our mini low cow of the week a few weeks back? Yep. Look, most unclutch player in the NRL has to come between him and Kieran Foran, I reckon. <laughs> but luckily for Foran, his unclutchness is overshadowed by Cherry Evans' clutchness. So. Yeah. What's even better is Sean Johnson taking the field goal. Corey Horsbury just gets absolutely snapped. Yes, have you seen the Simpsons meme for it? No, I have It's Homer Simpsons diving in going, yes, I'm going to block the field goal. This oh. is going to be the best day of my life. And then it's Horsburgh just lying down as Johnson kicks it. Oh, my God. Um, Warriors next week take on Cronulla, while Canberra take on the Bulldogs. Saturday night second game saw Tank Bowl number six. Seamless transition between round ball rock there, AJ. Well done. Thank you. Now, um, it, it shames me to say this, but I got it horrifically wrong last week when I put the Broncos in a tank bowl, and now my karma is having the roosters in a tank is, bowl. So. Is this an apology? It is, is an apology. This is a first for the league scene, for league legacy, for anything. AJ admitting he was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I have to do it. Um, I was out of line trying to take the piece out of Roos and it backfired in absolutely spectacular fashion because the Roosters were fucking useless. Beating the Bulldogs isn't for everyone, kids. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to grind my axe. Yep, go ahead. When we complete... At 66% and dominate every other statistic, you're not going to win. We even did a record this season and missed under 20 tackles. Again, miracle. We also won the penalty count in a rare performance of Ben Cummins trying to help us. We did very well. But when we make 18 errors... And do some of the most bullshit plays I have ever seen. Like, oh, let's go for a scrum play. Let's throw an intercept with Josh Adokar already up in the fucking line. 
it was frustrating, man. Absolutely frustrating. Tupanua had his uh, had his weekly drop over the line. That's typical for him at this point. I saw today um, Egan Butcher back running Reese. If he's not in the squad next week and Tupanua playing New South Wales Cup, I'm going to be freaking filthy. But you know what? He doesn't even deserve to play New South Wales Cup. I'll just inject there. Drop him straight to Ron Massey, in my opinion. Hills, Bulls, or our Roosters affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not finished there with Robbo. The bench. Now, as Reese fully knows, I am one of the most critical people of Robbo's bench rotation. I think our forward balance is okay, having Maria Hargreaves and Collins play under 50 minutes. Tupanur is not an 80-minute player. He makes too many mistakes. Um, Radley's minutes need to be cut down, but I understand that with Connor Watson being injured. Uh, Verrills needs to probably play 60, give Hutch 20. But the period where Drew Hutchison came in in a game absolutely amuses me. And we all know Hutch isn't a strong runner of the football and whatnot. So you bring him in just before, or just after halftime, give Verrills that bit of an extra rest so he's ready to go in the final 20. Um, just so I don't sound like I'm bagging the boys, Tedesco once again had a good game, uh, 299 metres. Joseph Sawali proved condom head wrong. You're waiting for me to use that one, weren't you? Oh, 100% I was. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Hux. We now have a nickname for Peter Fitzsimons. Um, I don't think Teddy was guilty this week of over-trying whatsoever. I don't think he had an error, which is good as well. Um, but again, just silly mistakes on the own line. I think Collins drops the ball metres out from the line in a good attacking opportunity. Um, the last play going astray, even though I'm pretty confident Sam Walker gets hit late in the lead-up, but I'm not going to go into that touchy area. Um, but we had opportunities to win the game. We just weren't good enough. Full yeah. credit to the Bulldogs. They completed the ambush. Um, uh, Burden, dominant half once again. Flanagan didn't really do much at all in attack. It was all off Burden and Dufty. Um, Paul Vaughan probably had his best game in Bulldogs colours, as did Luke Thompson. They just gashed us through the middle of the park. Um, and Jaden Ockenball well, didn't do anything stupid. And also to our editor, Tim, at League Unlimited, and I know you're a dog supporter, GG's man. You had a good win. And I think that's my axe gone. Yeah, that's my axe gone. Okay. Um, it's always good to let it out, AJ. This is a very safe space here. We only have a few hundred <laughs> listeners, so... You'll notice that we're in the top 100 grossing rugby league podcasts and we're rising. We're up into the 60s, mate. No, we're going to have to call Kempi soon. Direct competition. <laughs> if we can get into the top 50 and stay there consistently for the year, I'm a happy camper. Mate, if we get into the top 50 with this piece of shit podcast, imagine how good we're going to be doing next year. It's not a like piece of shit. shit. We try. <laughs> hey, we try, but it's still a piece of shit. You know? It's like the 2020 Ferrari. It looks good, but it's a piece of shit. <laughs> we, we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can. Um, I do have something to come out of this game as far as Graham Annesley's uh, briefing is concerned. Uh, it does concern a Roosters try. Um, so we'll get on to that later. But do you have anything else to add? Or did, or did I basically cover everything? Uh, I think you covered everything. I will just say that it was really good for my agenda to see the Roosters lose. 
but also really good for my super coach side to see Tedesco pick up 300 meters. So <laughs> that's good hey, for me. And also Ado Car getting a double. He's on my side too. So big hey, wins we, all around. We talk about taking accountability, and I think I've taken accountability. I've taken one for the team with my apology. Yeah. I've done good for myself. You're a big man, and it's definitely something I would never do on this podcast. Just I like never the fact... apologize if I got it wrong. <laughs> Mate, I had to do it. I had to do it. I mean, I mean, I said the Broncos were a finals team a couple of years ago. I've never apologized for that. We got the wooden spoon. I was more wrong than anyone's ever been here. Yeah. Um, okay. Saturday night's nightcap saw us go up to the top end at TIO Stadium in Darwin. I need to get this off the record. TIO Stadium is not a rugby league venue. It was absolutely diabolical just in terms of how far away the fans are from the ground. I mean, it's a stadium. It doesn't have a specification for a sport. It's just a stadium. The National Stadium of Darwin. (laughs) Um, So, Cowboys 35 defeated the Eels 4. The Cowboys, well, they did an old-fashioned ambush up in the top end, uh, proving once again that they are a really shock bolter team moving forward. Uh, Parramatta didn't do much in attack whatsoever. Um, Jason Oliver made a really good point on Twitter. He does a lot of statistic work and really puts in the hard yards. I recommend uh, you checking him out. Uh, Let me just get it up because the stat was perfect because we both threw our 10 cents worth in about this. So, here it is. Tackles inside opposition 20. Ready for this race? Here we go. With the score in mind, have a guess, viewers. We're going to do the exact same thing as we did with the Kevin Proctor. With the score and have a guess per team. I'll give you five seconds. Time up. Eels, who scored four points, had 41 tackles inside the opposition 20. The Cowboys, who scored 35 points, had 10. Ridiculous. You know what we need to do? What? Remember in Madden 10, when you challenge a player and they had the little challenge music going? Oh, yeah. We need to find that and do that next time we do one of these, where we're letting the audience guess and just play that over. (laughs) 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 oh yeah very very good but um we need to talk about jake arthur i mean the daily telegraph used my tweet to talk about him so now we need to clarify this was this a troll or legitimate facts it was legitimate facts i just turned around and said he's not first grade quality and probably has never been first grade quality Let's take a look at the tweet that has got Reese onto the Daily Telegraph and a crap ton of exposure. So, first hey, of all, Reese, I'm, I'm balling right now. We're acknowledging the fact that you are successful. <laughs> <laughs> so, the tweet was this Jake Arthur is not first grade quality. Could easily argue he never has been, but as long as Brad Arthur is the coach, I fear, I fear we'll have this conversation. And that's that's a shot, you know, obviously at Jacob Arthur for being shocking. But 
as much so as the people who always just go the first port of call is, oh, he's only in the team because of his dad. That's Hux's agenda. That's how, yeah, that's the perfect Adam Hux agenda. But that's me taking a shot at those guys because I'm like, it's not going to change if Brad Arthur's the coach because no matter how good Jake Arthur plays, it'll always be that asterisk next to it with the same, same as Nathan Cleary. Just that asterisk next to it that his dad is the coach. Yeah, 100%. Um, but again, um, we need to talk about the Cowboys' massive turnaround in defence. They were 16th in defence last year and were absolutely woeful. And look at what they've done. Reuben Cotter, in my opinion, should be a bolter for State of Origin. You share that opinion with almost every single Queensland fan, I would say, including but, me. Yeah, I just think the way that he attacks the game, especially in those conditions, muggy, and I know it's good for a cowboy environment, but I think they did really, really well. What concerns me the most about Parramatta, though, was the free tries in the last five minutes. Yeah, I mean, well, look, obviously it wasn't their game to win. So you can't argue that they just let it slip at the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a really, really poor run for the Eels in those last five minutes. And again, it's weird that the Eels would take a game to Darwin against the one team that regularly plays in tropical conditions. You know? That's a good point. They've t- but to be fair, though, they've taken Canberra there twice and they lost one of them. So no, they won both. They won twenty fourteen, no, and they came back in twenty nineteen. They were down I heaps. I swear! Oh, I swear! I saw. I've got uh, their record up here. They twenty fourteen. They beat Canberra. Twenty fifteen. They beat Penrith. Twenty sixteen. They beat the Titans. Twenty seventeen. Lost to the Cowboys. Twenty eighteen. Win over the Cowboys. Twenty nineteen. Win over Canberra. Twenty twenty. None because of COVID. Last year they fumped you blokes, and this year obviously they got fumped. By the Cowboys. I swear I saw Cumberland say they lost to the Raiders. Let me have a look. You've encouraged me to have a look now, but I'm pretty sure off the top of my head that I'm right. I may be wrong, but I just want to make sure because we love to be within the facts here on the league scene. Let's have a look-see. Let's have a gangs. So 2017, they definitely lost because that was the day Thurston came back from injury. Yeah. 2018, they won, because I think Reed Marnie made his debut in that game. 2019 against the Raiders, yeah, they were 16-4 down. They went on to win 22-16. Last year, obviously, went their way. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. I got the results here too. Okay, yeah, you're right. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but what makes the things about Jay Carter even more hilarious is Paramount social media. On their yeah. own account, it wasn't even a burner. Yeah. The Jake Arthur jokes aren't funny. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah, they are. You can bet your ass they are. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm sick of talking about Jake Arthur. Um, Sunday football, Melbourne 50, defeating Newcastle 2. And as we said before, you can get your tweets out because Scott Bailey has ruled the Newcastle Knights out of contention. So we are still 14 teams in contention for this year's NRL Premiership. Um, 
Tight race. <laughs> this is what I expected, to be fair. I thought we'd get a little bit of a response from Newcastle, but their game can be summed up by the start of both halves. The first half, you kick the ball out on the full. The start of the second half, you let the ball bounce off the kickoff and go dead. Absolute genius, you know. I've never seen a player who's able to kick do kickoffs better than Jay Clifford in my life. You know what? The only thing they're missing, a short 10 not going the distance and a short dropout hitting the corner post. I wonder if anyone's ever hit the Grand Slam. So kick out on the full, bounce out, and short 10. Yeah. <laughs> I It'll be very interesting to see what will happen. That might, um, that, 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 if that happens, it could be the most embarrassing stat in rugby league history. Yeah. Um, but I think Admo O'Brien's press conference was absolutely laughable. You want to know what he said? Here we go. Here we go. There were signs of improvement out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, gave up, we gave up, how much was it? 11 more points, we're improving so much. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Improvement, improvement, improvement. Next week, we're only going to lose 61 to 2. Oh, massive improvement. (laughs) I just love the the commitment to not having the duck egg next to their name by taking the two on half time. (laughs) You know, some people have an agenda. You know, and the night's agenda is not getting shut out. They don't want to make the same mistake they made in 2015, you know. 100%. Even though I'd say the 2015 wipes the floor with this year's team at the moment. But yeah, Xavier Coates, seven tries in two weeks. You Are you of the opinion he sealed his spot on the wing for Queensland? I'm of the opinion he sealed his spot on the wing for Queensland before a ball was kicked this season. So You reckon before a ball was kicked this season? I reckon he was he was the incumbent. I reckon he deserved the spot. And all he's done is he's put himself into contention for a spot on the wing for Australia at the World Cup. He's an interesting one. If he doesn't get picked for Australia, Papua New Guinea has a spot on the wing wide open for him. Yeah, Papua New Guinea would make him the captain, I would say, at this sorry. point. Let's take a look and see. No, no, no sorry. They make Olin the captain and him the vice. Wouldn't that be a frigging dynamic team? Oh, well, I mean... You put them both on that side of the field. They have that chemistry together from Melbourne already. Mate, that would be insane. I reckon if New Guinea get Coates, they're generally a shot at making the quarterfinals, even maybe a semifinal if they get a favourable draw. They've got a tough group, Tonga, Wales, Cook Islands. They should get out of there, but uh, Cook Islands will be a challenge because there's so many unknown commodities. You're probably going to have Nickel Clockstar there, Napa, Takarangi. There's going to be a few different players in there, but unknown a little bit. Yeah. and But obviously, you know, Papua New Guinea, that's a side that beat Great Britain in 2019. So, Oh, they've also got Alex Johnston add that to the mix. Mm, that would be a deadly right-hand combination. Okay. Johnston floating around from the back and then Olin and Coates on the wing. Jeez. Wouldn't it be? Um, Sunday football, Dragons 12 defeat Tigers 6. The Tigers' renewal of their season as such was shut out in pretty dynamic fashion by the Dragons, once again showing the defensive improvement that was lacking last season. Uh, They only gave up 12 points to the Roosters, 6 points this week. And didn't know that it took Jack Bird being named all week but having a fractured arm to get Jaden Sullivan in the mix. And, boy, 
his impact almost immediate. Played really well, didn't he? He, he was good. He deserves a more consistent shot at first grade. Oh, doesn't he? I don't understand why he hasn't so far. Anthony Griffin's agendas. Obviously, Amon's been good. Obviously, you can't drop Ben Hunt. Mm-hmm. But, oh, oh, sorry, Sullivan deserves a, another crack in first grade with a prolonged opportunity. And hopefully, obviously, you don't want to wish players being hurt. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the Jack Bird injury does create a scenario for him where he can nail down a spot, even, even on the bench. You know? He's that type of player. You put him on the bench, he's still going to serve a good role for a team. 100%. Uh, but Tigers are looking a little bit flat this week. Do you think that's the hype over the last two weeks, of course, playing the heartbreaking, sorry, the heart-wrenching golden point win over, sorry, not even golden point, last-ditch win over Parramatta, and then the exact same thing over South Sydney. Do you think it was just the fatigue of the last two weeks catching up to them a little bit? Um, yeah. You're probably 100% right, you know. I don't want to uh, mock Tigers fans here, but they aren't a team that's used to winning. And they aren't a team that's used to going to the great lengths they've had to go to in the last two weeks to win. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you are going to get tired and you put in performances like you did, you know, against a team like the Dragons. You have you still have to be on your toes, no matter how good the Dragons have been this season or how poor they've been. You have to be on your toes against them because they just have that talent in the team that can click at any moment, which is what we saw at the end of the game. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, so that recaps our review of the NRL. Of course, looking at the ladder, Penrith remain undefeated rather on 16 points. Melbourne, North Queensland, and Cronulla make up the top four, just as we had at the beginning of the season. Exactly. Um, that's That was everyone's prediction, wasn't it? Uh, just take the Cowboys back for any positions. <laughs> um, uh, other teams inside the eight, Parramatta, South Sydney, the Roosters, and Manly. So even though things are looking a bit grim for the Roosters at the moment, don't panic. It's okay. We're still in the eight. We're doing better than 2018 when we were outside the eight at this point in the season. So worth that's all. Mentioning, worth mentioning Brisbane, Warriors, Dragons, all knocking on the door of the top eight as well, all with four and four records. So, Thanks for taking that out of my hands. So they're all on eight points. All on four points and on a tie for the wooden spoon. Gold Coast, West Tigers, Canberra, Canterbury. And, of course, thanks to their magnificent defensive efforts, quote sarcasm, Newcastle are down in 16th spot. Don't, don't remind the people where I had the Titans coming this season because... Um, I, remember, I remember you bagging me at the beginning of the season for where I put Newcastle. <sighs> AJ, we're not having this conversation. I thought Kalen Ponga was going to be good and not forget how to play footy. That's a fair point to me. His press conference is a little bit grim too, but that's a conversation for another day. Well, look, look, Caelan Ponger can afford to have his press conference be a bit grim. He's still walking into a $5 million contract. Fair point. Okay, Graham Annesley's briefing. Now, there was not much in terms of incidents to discuss from this week, but again, I have put this on my Twitter, so view it if you want to. Now, the issue of hip drops it came up this week. It can be understood some can be difficult to pick up on the run, which is we've seen incidents placed on report during a stoppage of play, which is what we saw with the Billy Titsikras hip drop on Satili Tupanua. Okay, so yeah. creeping, it's been creeping in over the last few seasons. They can be serious, as we saw with Hayes Dunster in the trials. Not everything falls into a hip drop. So I'm going to take the time to explain the key indicators the match review committee are looking at. So hip drop key indicators. 
The defender will generally have a grip on the opposition player, using that grip to lift or maintain body weight to then drop or swing their hips around. The defender usually swivels their nearest hip away from the body, dropping their hips and or lower body on the opposition's player body or lower limbs. Finally, the defender lands their body weight on the lower legs to stop the opposition player's momentum, trapping the lower limb in a dangerous position with weight and force. Annesley went... Sorry? So to basically sum it up for le- in layman terms, it's a leg version of the grapple tackle. Fair enough. Annesley went on to show three examples of the hip drops. So I actually listed the tackles so people can cross-check for their own viewing. So you had that he showed a Jermaine Toto a Brown example back in 2020, a Joe Ovahengawi example from 2019 when he was at the Broncos, and a Max King tackle in 2020 at Melbourne. These are the tackles we are trying to get rid of in the game. They could be simmed or even sent off if picked up accurately on the field. He went on to showcase why Jerry Waria Hargreaves' tackle on Jaden Sewer was not a hip drop. And I remember we discussed this a little bit last week as well. Yeah, because he didn't use his body as the momentum stopper. Yes, because his initial hold is desperation and trying to save a try. As Sewer gets towards the ground, JWH's hips are already on the ground. This does not constitute a hip drop. Yeah. Just wanted to clear that up. Now, one incident he did refer to was the Bulldogs-Roosters game, which resulted in a try to James Tedesco. As Angus Crichton gets tackled on the previous play the ball, he loses the ball in the tackle and should have been ruled that way. The reason why you can't review that was because the bunker doesn't go back to the previous play the ball for a multitude of reasons. But this is a long-standing policy within the NRL since the video referee's introduction in 1998 because... What happened in Super League was they flag things that happened in the previous tackle to look at and it created too many stoppages. Yeah. So they just decided when they unified the game, at that point, it can only be the previous play of the ball in terms of a try. Okay? Yeah. Basically, so, the moment the dummy half touches the ball, the play begins. Yes, exactly right. So in the NRL uh, Operations Manual 4.10.2, the match referee may at their discretion call on the video review official to rule on incidents in the final play leading to the scoring of points. Other elements of bunker intervention remain as normal, such as intervention surrounding foul play. Yeah. Um, in regards to the Carl Lawton send-off, Annesley's of the opinion it was an easy decision to dismiss him from the field. As it was a one-on-one tackle, the MRC obviously gave him a grade three. It had the potential to be a catastrophic outcome. The game has a responsibility to protect players and these actions of foul play are dealt with seriously. Now, Jack Wyden was placed on report and charged with a grade two dangerous throw. I don't have an issue with the charge, but if what I've noticed is over the course of the week, it's gone past, grade two incidences are normally simbin level offences. You saw the two-po incident group in a grade two, Annesley came out and said that should have been Simbin. The other grade two incidences last week were sent to Simbin. So my point is, if the match review committee deemed that to be a grade two, why wasn't he put in the Simbin? Then again, that comes down to the referee's interpretation on the day. It is a different type of tackle, as Annesley went on to note, because there are multiple players involved. It's much more difficult for officials and the bunker to assess those tackles where there are multiple parties involved within the tackle, because it's difficult to assess one player's movement within a tackle as opposed to another that impacts the tackle going wrong. Yeah. 
and that makes perfect sense. But at the same time, it does create inconsistencies within what the game is trying to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Annesley reinforced his viewpoints on lifting tackles that we mentioned last week. So please refer to last week's briefing, briefing notes on my Twitter at AJ Antonio, or refer to last week's league scene where we discussed them at length. Yeah. Okay, that's the briefing done. Um, okay, well, I have a question for you that wasn't on the briefing. Okay, fire away. The Tuolagi no try. Now, this one did not come up in the Q&A whatsoever which is a surprise, I think, because they're still reviewing it. But I don't think it can be ruled a penalty try, if that's what you're getting at. Why is that? Because I've had a look at the incident today, and even though the tackle in the air, because of the other proximity of the other players within the the vicinity, I don't think the video ref can be 100% certain a try has got to be scored. Because remember, it needs to be conclusive 100% that he's going to score a try. Yeah, obviously I'm aware of that. But at the same time, you know, was it even a knock-on? Bunkers, like, Bunkers ruled that he's lost the ball. But I do understand because we have seen groundings that have been much more closer than that given in the past. And considering they only had one look once it got referred, seemed a little bit sketchy. But I'm going to back the Bunkers judgment here. I'm going to take a bit of a shot here. Be very careful. I'm not... But I would say that was about as obvious of a penalty try as we've seen since Chris Smith in the grand final. Craig Smith. Craig Smith, sorry. Okay, why do you... I'm actually interested in this. Why do you think it's a penalty try? It's the same situation, you know. A, A player catches the ball over the goal line they are clearly going downwards in an act to score the ball and they have been involved in foul play. Now, obviously, there's other dragon players around the ball, but in a realistic sense, how are they going to stop Tuolagi from grounding that ball without also tackling him in midair? It's an interesting point because you look at Look at where Jaden Sullivan is. Sorry, look at where the 14 Tower Tower Moan is, because I'm watching the incident back now. They've obviously deemed that he's in close enough proximity to make a play one-on-one and create that casting of doubt as to whether he'd score. Also, Michaeli Rabawala's in close pursuit that I'm looking at here on the incident, because Amon actually touches him as he's coming down. But so, if, that, if that's the case, then you should never be able to score a try for a bomb. Because they gave... Always be defenders there to stop you. But they gave the penalty for a tackle in the air. Simbin, maybe? Yeah. Well, that's the minimum if you give the penalty away. But in my opinion, it should be a penalty try. You can't, you know, take a player out in midair while they're trying to score the ball. Number one, that is obviously extremely dangerous because the player doesn't have a chance to defend themselves. They're trying mm-hmm. to score the try. But then number two, you're denying a clear try-scoring opportunity. At minimum, if you're going to give that a penalty, number one, there needs to be more reasonable doubt than what there was on Sunday. But then number two, it also has to be a symptom for a professional foul. You're taking away a try-scoring opportunity. It'd be interesting to see what happens with the appointments tomorrow because that was I was waiting for that incident to be touched on during the briefing, but they didn't get to that. Hmm. Because I don't think they did the review of the game yet because normally they do the review of the Sunday games in the afternoon, the Monday afternoon. And unless it's a pressing need of concern, then they would use that footage during the briefing. 
To be fair, Tigers fans would say it's a pressing need of concern. Okay, now Super League issue. You wanted to touch on a proposal that was put on Twitter today surrounding um, Toulouse Olympic. Yeah. Now, they're struggling in Super League as a new club. and It's that bad, but they've got Corey Norman over there to try and save them. Jeez, that's, that's a bit of a shot. Um, it's Corey Norman, mate. Yeah, look. So give us, your, give us the, the lowdown on the situation. Okay, so basically, Toulouse Olympique have been playing in the lower divisions of English football for years now. They, they aren't a new side. Mm-hmm. But they've come into the Super League this season, being promoted, and they've been left very high and dry. They clearly don't have the team that other of their rivals to do, even you know, going against their other French team in the league in Catalan. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. They're arguing that they shouldn't be relegated to allow the game to grow, which, you know, it makes perfect sense because you want the game in France to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You people forget that France beat an Australian team captained by Clive Churchill in the first World Cup. I did. At one point, they were easily second strongest team in rugby league, only behind Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And recently, all the focus has been on expanding the game into the Americas, expanding the game into Eastern Europe. I mean, you saw that with Africa. I mean, you've seen that with obviously the failed attempt with the Wolfpack. Yeah. I think more of the focus needs to be on France. And to do that, you need a strong Toulouse. But they're trying their best. The English promotion relegation system is easily one of the worst in any sport that does promotion relegation. Okay? The million pound game. Yep. AJ, if you were designing a league with promotion relegation, how would you design that structure? It's very hard to say because I'm not really into the promotion relegation side of things, but I'd make it a 12-team competition, like what we have in Super League, with the lower two teams having to fight it out against the two of the best in the championship. Yeah. Well, in the Super League, they do a very convoluted system where at the end of the regular season... Is this the Super 8? Yep. So the bottom four go into a round-robin seven-game series, including the top four from the championship. That's confusing. So let's take a look at... Let's get the championship up at the moment, which I'm going to get up because... I think it's important yeah, for it what we're talking about. Um, um, I know Lee Centurions are up there. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to have a look and see who else would be up there. Um, I think Featherstone Rovers would be up there. Um, here we go, tables. Yeah, Featherstone are up there. They flogged Witness 74 to 60 the other day, believe it or not. Um, that's very nice. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing to say the very Why doesn't want to click yeah. on the tables? Okay, so judging by this, I'm going to go Bradford. Uh, actually, no, I need championship. 
Excuse me for a moment. I'm getting absolutely yeah. screwed well, here. Right now from the Super League, the four teams that would be playing are the aforementioned Toulouse, and then you also have Wakefield, Salford, and Leeds. Okay, I've got it. So, Featherston, Lee, York City Knights, and the Batley Bulldogs. Yeah. And that brings me on to my next point, which is the story of the Bradford Bulls. Didn't Weren't they in financial difficulty and lose like 12 points? Yeah, so Bradford are a very historic team in English Rugby League. Um, they've played against Australia in, in multiple the- tour matches. Wasn't that a big deal when uh, you'd have the visiting clubs, like the Kangaroo Tour, and I know my dad was telling me that he'd stay up and watch the games on Channel 10 every night of them playing the English county sides. Wasn't it? Um, so the Bradford Bulls at one point were strong enough to recruit Steve Menzies over from Australia. Mm-hmm. That's the type of team we're looking at. They still remain one of only four premiers of the English Super League. But they went into administration in 2012. And they were relegated at the end of 2013. And then, oh, sorry, at the end of 2014. Yep. And then they managed to make it to the to the promotion playoff series. In What's it called? What's it called? The, the what's what's it even called? That million pound game. <laughs> no, it's not the million pound game. The million pound game is one game between fourth and fifth. No, it's not. The million pound game is for promotion. Yeah, no, with the thing. So with the um. Oh, the million pound game is to stay down. No, so with the way it works in the round robin, the top three get automatically promoted to the Super League. Yeah. And then fourth and fifth play in the million pound game to determine the last spot. Yeah, <laughs> which That's... they did in 2016. 2016. Yeah, they got there in 2016. They haven't gone back there since. They end up going to receivership again in 2016, docked 12 points, relegated to the third division. Didn't Tuvi coach them at one stage? Yep. And... It's just a sad story when you look at a club with that much history being left so far down in the water. You know, imagine if that happened in the NRL with the Knights when Nathan Tinkler destroyed the club. Even the Titans when they were in financial shit. Yeah, like imagine if the NRL turned around and said, okay, Knights, you know, we understand you're in a tough position financially, but we're also going to kick the boot in by relegating you to the New South Wales Cup and bringing Newtown back into the NRL. Could you imagine? No, North City before them. <laughs> but imagine the outcry from Newcastle fans if that happened. I mean, we saw what happened when they tried to add a second team, and imagine if they didn't have a team altogether. And think that's happening in England to a team that's 115 years old. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem right at all. No, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, hopefully things go up because I think they need to have a serious recalibration of the UK game. I thought they were starting to go on the right track after, of course, what happened with uh, the disaster of the 1997 World Cup Challenge, but the game's just been going backwards ever, ever since. And I think the perfect person to discuss this with is Andrew Ferguson because he does a number of deep dives into the UK game on his Fergo and the Freak podcast. And it is an absolute dire straight over there. We're, we're very fortunate in Australia in the position we are with rugby league. 
that's so commercially viable. Yeah. You're um, yeah, 100%. Okay, one thing to do before we go into our log cow of the weeks this week, uh, the SG Ball Grand Final was held over the weekend when the Panthers completed a stunning comeback downing the Sydney Roosters 22 points to 20. Normally I'd be upset about this, but I had to reserve my journalistic integrity covering the game for League Unlimited. It was a brilliant game of football. A lot of good talents to come out of both sides. For mine, the two to come out of the Roosters are Xavier Vaa, a talented forward from the Broncos system. Thank you, Reese, for that one. And Josh Wong. Both of them played in the first trial match of the season for the Roosters, and both are promising talents. As far as Penrith concerned, um, I know a lot of the blokes. So Dominic's College once again proving to be one of the benchmarks in terms of promoting talent to rugby league players. And again, you got blokes in there, Riley Smith, Mason Teague, who are the pick of the bunch. Uh, Keegan Russell Smith, a talented 5'8". Um, and then you even go to guys at Patrician Brothers, Isaiah Katoa's off to the Dolphins next year. So Penrith have to be very careful and look at the talent, who they want to keep and who's going to go, because that core of kids that they've got at the moment playing first grade, that's probably going to continue for, what, five, ten years? Hmm, Yeah. So the, ta- the challenge for Penrith is now holding on to the guys of like Riley, Mason Teague in particular. They're going to lose a few. There's no doubting that. But they have to make sure they stay with a main core of players who you keep at all costs. Yeah, and you look at, yeah, 100%. I think that's going to be the challenge moving forward around. Thanks to both Riley Smith and Keegan Russell Smith for having a chat to me after the game. Really appreciate it, lads. And another good write-up by yours, truly. Yeah. It okay. was. I had a read of it today. It was very good. Okay. Um, we missed you last week. I had to try and impersonate the mischievous lol cow of the week. Okay, I'm going to go first this week. And as we touched on before, it's actually a bit of a somber lol cow this week because... I got blocked by Gus. <sighs> Gus is my lol cow because he got offended when I called him a dinosaur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I called him and the mole a dinosaur. Apparently that's offensive. That's just absolutely devastating. You I'm know. very upset by this. Just <sighs> unbelievable. No, ad played, of course. I was going to play some sad music, but... <laughs> I, um, I was expecting ad. you to play... Um, I was expecting you to play... Um, where is it? I need to get it up now. Um... No! <laughs> I wanted yeah, the scene but... out of the movie where the bloke is there and goes, No! Yeah, but it's always devastating when um the Goldfather blocks you. Okay. I guess the trot stops here. What about yourself? Who's your old cow of the week? All right. Well, honourable mention to Alfa Romeo Formula One driver Guan Yu Zhou for blocking me on Twitter. <laughs> um, what did you do to deserve that, my friend? Oh, I called him a pay driver. So to be fair, I probably deserved it, but... <laughs> Everyone knows Oscar Piastri is better anyway, so... Let's um, go, Oscar. We need you with the F1. But the low cow of the week, for me, 
is going to be Malik Willis's draft team. Oh, okay. So because he was taken late. He would have been going to the draft thinking for sure he was going to be a first-round pick. He was in the green room, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the green room. And, you know, green room is only available to the 20 players. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you think that those guys are going to be first-round picks at the worst taken very early on day two in the second round. Mm-hmm. He fell until the mid-third round. Why was that the case, though? Well, part of it's because they're worried he hasn't, he didn't get tested against big-level t- opponents. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we just watched Trey Lance get picked. Third, third overall from North Dakota when, State. Yeah, when he, the biggest opponent he played would have been in front of 5,000 fans. <laughs> you know. I'm sure the 49ers are regretting not picking Mac Jones now. I wouldn't. I still think Trey Lance is going to be good for the 49ers. But that's beside the point. The point is, imagine going into the draft thinking for certain you're going to hear your name called on the day one. You Mm -hmm. don't. You're going to bed thinking, oh, yeah, it's okay. I'll get it called to me early in the second round. And then not only do you end up falling into the mid-third round, but you find out you're going to be spending the next few years of your life in Tennessee. (laughs) That's even more devastating, in my opinion. I mean... That actually ties in perfectly because it's time to finish off with Hux's Twitter rant of the week. (laughs) So this bloke got absolutely restricted by Twitter because he went into full meltdown, and I repeat, full meltdown over the Titans' decision to trade AJ Brown. (laughs) I'm going to get some of these tweets up because they are absolutely glorious. So I hope you're ready, mate. Oh, I'm, I'm, I was bored ready. <laughs> because Tennessee's, the Titans' most recently selection in the 2022 NFL draft has resulted in my underwear being ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. It gets absolutely better. Um, where is it? Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, officially out of a 12-hour Twitter jail after telling the Times account to kill itself immediately after the Brown trade was announced. I stand by my comments, however, look forward to Traylon Burks going for free TDs against Tristan Fulton and Tristan Fulton locking AJ up when we play Philly. It gets better. Fold your fucking franchise, just piss off. <laughs> gets better. This is fucking bullshit. I'm finished. Enjoy missing the playoffs that time. You deserve everything you get. <laughs> Maybe you'll get lucky and have another great receiver for you in 20 years and then choke away the fucking playoffs. <laughs> Just fuck off, Titans. You are a prophetic fucking... Training the only reason we came even close to overcoming a playoff choke. Just fuck right off. You're all a bunch of pricks. I cannot believe you've just done that. I just can't believe it. Something tells me he likes AJ Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) Jay Robin, he actually tags Mike Vrabel. At Coach Vabral 50 are both fuckwits. He's still going. He was going hard. <laughs> oh, but he was a but... lot, he cheered up a lot happier when he got um 
Mr. Willis. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, obviously Willis is going to be there next season when they inevitably decide to cut Ryan Tannehill. So. In- Indeed, he will. But anyway, that's going to wrap us up for the league scene for round eight of the NRL season. Another fun edition of the league scene because we had a lot to cover tonight and we got through absolutely everything, including my temper tantrum about the Sydney Roosters. A massive thanks. A plus plus. A plus plus. That's the draft grade. Uh, Big thanks to Ray Sullivan for appearing as always. Oh, thank you for having me, mate. Always a pleasure. It was really tempting not to have you on this week, by the way. (laughs) I know. You probably would have thought I'd be even more insufferable than what I was. You, you handled yourself very well. You learnt from me in a few times. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for your company. We'll catch you next week for another edition of The League Scene. Take care, everybody.